It's good to see everyone tonight. We are studying the book of Acts. We ought to finish up chapter 14 this evening. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we will resume our study. Shall we pray? Our dear Father in heaven, we're so very thankful, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. We're thankful, Father, that because of the grace you've bestowed upon us, that we can go to heaven eternally, which we know we don't deserve to do. Our Father, we're thankful for the blood that was shed for us that purchased your church. We pray that you'll be with us tonight through our study of the book of Acts. We pray that you will give us courage to teach your word and not to forsake uh, any aspects of it. We pray, Father, that you'll be with our good elders here at Willow. Give them strength and courage and wisdom as they interpret your word and as they seek to oversee the congregation here. We pray that you'll be with each of us individually as we have struggles in our daily lives, that we can walk through this life as peaceably as possible, but keeping our eye forever on heaven. We pray, Father, for our country and for our leaders. We know that it is a struggle and that there is a great deal of sin in this world. We pray, Father, that Christians can live peaceably and do your work and glorify you. Our Father, we ask that you'll be with us through our class tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we are in Acts 14. I'm going to only hit one thing tonight on the chart here, and that is I'm going to zoom in on chapter 15. Um, Well, we'll do 14 and 15 since we are in chapter 14. And that is we've got a similar sound. For 14, I remember for them. 14 is for them. Now, why is that? Because in chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, They perform a miracle, and the people think they're gods, and they start bringing all these gifts for them. And they say, we're going to sacrifice for you. So remember, for them, what is it? Sacrifices for them. And you can basically remember that whole chapter based on that anchor phrase. Now, chapter 15, I remember as fifth equals diff. Now, y'all are probably thinking, this guy's crazy the way he comes up with this stuff. But it works. I I remember these crazy things from when I was a kid. You remember all the rhymes, I before E, except after C. That's the kind of stuff that makes you remember. And uh, this is helpful. Fifth diff. Now, what is the diff? There's two major differences that are going to take place in chapter 15. The first one relates to the Gentiles. And that is, some of the Jews are going to say, that the Gentiles have to be circumcised. That is a major difference, and that's the bulk of this chapter. The second difference that's going to take place is between Paul and Barnabas, and that is they're going to basically have a knockdown drag out over John Mark. And so two main differences. If you can remember fifth diff, you've got chapter 15 in your head. So I like to pick an anchor point that helps me remember what's in that whole chapter. So I think if you can go through these, you've got the first 15 chapters of Acts. I learned these this way years ago, and whenever somebody says something to me, I just know what chapter it is. So if you can do that, in fact, at one point I thought, I'm going to do the whole Bible this way. But um, when you get to the Gospels, man, that was hard because each chapter is dealing with so many different things. But it works well in the book of Acts. All right, let's go. We are in, let's see, let's, oh, you know what? I want to show you this before we get going. This is, I've been telling you about this new set of commentaries that the Gospel Broadcasting Network has. 
we have been trying to put out good material for the brotherhood, for the world, so that people can uh, study. I've had people at times, they've told me, well, I believe such and such doctrine, and I've said, well, where did you get that? And they said, well, I got it off this commentary. And I said, where? And they said, online. Why do you use that one? Well, it's free. Well, we want to put good, solid material in people's hands, and so we have worked an arrangement with Brother Bob Winton, and we have purchased the rights to all of his commentaries. Currently, he has 55 of the 66 books of the Bible done, and we are providing them free online. You can download the PDF. Uh, I don't know if they're on the app yet. If they're not, they're going to be soon. You can download that app, and you've got it right there on your phone. But this is our main website. If you go to gbntv.org, this is the way it looks. And then if you pull it up and you click up at the top here where it says resources. Can you see that from here? It's hard for me to tell. Okay. You see the resources and then you've got this drop down menu. And when you drop it down, you will see commentaries. And that's it. So go to gbntv.org, resources, commentaries, and you can get them. And when you click on commentaries, it will take you to a screen that looks like this, GBN commentaries, and then you've got commentaries on the 55 books of the Bible that we have. They are very detailed. Now you can see on this side we also have some topical studies on a marriage in the home. There's one on premillennialism. There's a good study on the qualifications of elders, preachers, the role of women in the church, and then there's some good sermons and lectures. Uh, if you ever want to preach, these are some good sermons to preach. Um, let's say you uh, said, I want to get one of these commentaries and use it in my study of Acts. Um, you would scroll down to Acts, which I don't have it that low, but if you were to click on Acts and open it, and you said, we're studying Acts 15, this is what it looks like when you open to Acts chapter 15. And you can see these are detailed notes. If you zoom in, this is what Acts chapter 15 and verse 1 looks like. So he'll take you through verse 1, and it is a detailed commentary on all of these studies. We don't have all of the books yet, but we have, uh, we're missing some like Leviticus, and there are some of the ones that people don't uh, ask about as much. But this is a really good resource and uh, I have not gone through every single one, but I've gone through a lot of these. I haven't found much of anything that I have not thought was spot on. And so remember, though, these are written by men. This is not inspired. It's a study resource. And always keep that in mind with any book that you're studying other than the Bible. Okay, let's go back to our study of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas start what we call the first missionary journey. And so they start here in Antioch in this area. And then they're, or here's Antioch. Then they're going to go down to Seleucia where the port is. They go over to Salamis. They're going to preach in the synagogue. They travel over to Paphos. This is where they're going to meet uh, Bargesus. And Paul strikes him blind. They travel up to Perga in Perga, John Mark leaves them. It's thought probably because of the danger that's ahead of them. They're going to go to Antioch and Pisidia. The Jewish leaders here throw them out of the city because they're being effective. They're converting a lot of people. They shake the dust off their feet, and they're going to come over here to 
Iconium. They're going to find out that they're trying to kill them in Iconium, and so they leave there. They go to Lystra. In Lystra, uh, this is where the people are going to bring them gifts. They heal the crippled man, and so the people think they're gods, and they say, no, we're not going to have that. We're men just like you. They leave Lystra, and they go to Derby. When they are in Derby, it's successful. The Bible doesn't say much about it. Now, after they leave Derby, they start back on their trip, and what we're told is, I wish I had a bigger dot on here. I don't know how to do that, but you leave Derby, and they're going to go back to Lystra and Iconium. Uh, by the way, when they were in Lystra, after the people tried to bring them gifts, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came down here and turned the people of Lystra against them, and they stoned Paul to the point that they thought he was dead. And Paul got up, went back into the city, and then he went on about his business. Whether he was dead, the Bible doesn't say. We talked about that last week. Uh, there's a good possibility that he was. All right, they leave Lystra. Uh, on their way back, they leave Derby. They go back to Lystra. They're going to go back to Antioch. And the Bible says that as they went on their way, they were appointing elders in these cities. So chapter 14 and verse 23 says, they appointed elders in every city. It is God's desire that elders be in the church. It's God's desire that the church have elders. Now, does anybody have any idea how long this first missionary trip is? What we've done so far is we have basically traced the journey halfway, and they've started back. You can see the blue route, uh, or the red route, is going to be their way back home. The Bible doesn't give specific dates, but based on the best we can tell, this is somewhere four to ten months they spend on this entire trip. Four to ten months. So, chapter 14 and verse 23 says they appointed elders in every city. And so, they're going to go to Pisidia. This is Antioch in Pisidia. And then they are going to travel on to um, Perga and Pamphylia. They're going to go to Italia, and then they're going to catch a boat, and they're going to travel back to Antioch. And that's going to end their trip. We are not told very much about their trip home, so maybe it's uneventful. They're establishing elders. We're told that they preached in some of the cities, and that's about all that it was. So four to ten months, they are done. On their, they're gone, and then they're on their trip. They come back to Antioch, which is kind of the home base. So we're going to pick up tonight in chapter 14 and verse 27, and this is going to end the first missionary journey. I just think it's good to review this. Sometimes I've had people teach Acts, and they get so detailed and bogged down in it, and they talk about all the customs and the habits and how they built ships, and, and you just get lost in it. I, I think it's best to kind of get an overview and hit the key doctrinal points as we go. So let's pick up in 14 and verse 27, and David's going to read for us. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Okay. When they got back home, it says they reported. We would call this a mission report. You know, sometimes we have works that we support here at Willow Avenue, and that missionary will come, and on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, he'll get up and He'll tell us what he's been doing for the last year. That's what this is. And I've sometimes uh, referenced this because 
congregations that support GBN, sometimes I'll go and speak, and I've had times where they have said, uh, we don't really want you to, to do that on a Sunday morning. You know, Sunday morning is, we're supposed to preach, not, not this, and I've referenced this. The apostles came back, and what they do? They told about the work that they're doing. This is a scriptural and appropriate thing to do. All right? Uh, chapter 14, verse 28. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Okay. Once they got back to Antioch, the Bible says they stayed a long time. How long is a long time? I don't know, because the four to ten months that the first missionary journey took place started in AD 47. It overlapped into AD 48. And then the second missionary journey starts in AD 49. So exactly what months, we don't know, but let's say they got back in January of 48 and they left in December of 49. That would be the max amount. So at the max, they're back for two years, probably less than two years. So the Bible says they went back to Antioch and they're there for a long time, somewhere between a month and 24 months. The Bible doesn't really say. All right, now we're going to get into Acts chapter 15. Any questions about 14? Perfect. All right, Acts 15 and verse 1, David. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, I want you to look at this. Here's our map, and let's see here. i got to zoom out here. Let's go like this. All right, it says, remember, we're in Antioch, which is up here. This is where the mission trips launch from. This is where Paul and Barnabas are. And then it says, certain men came down from Judea. Here is Judea. And this is Jerusalem. When it says they came down from Judea, it's talking about Jerusalem. So they came down from Judea, and they're going to come to Antioch. Does it strike you odd that it says they came down from Judea, and this is the journey that they take? Why does it say they came down from Judea? Okay, it is a matter of elevation. And you can see the precision with which the inspired writers spoke. Jerusalem, Mount Zion, is very, very high. So anywhere you go from Jerusalem, you are going down. So they're going to go down from Judea, down in elevation. They're going to come to Antioch. So certain men come down from Judea, and they're going to come to Antioch where Paul and Barnabas are. And when they get there, they're going to say, remember, Paul and Barnabas have been out teaching Gentiles. They've established all these new churches and all these cities. And then these men come back. They hear about the mission report. And these guys say, wait a minute now. We're, got, we're going up to Antioch because we need to tell them something. And they said, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. So here is the plan of salvation according to these guys. You've got to hear, believe, Repent, confess, be baptized, and what? And be circumcised. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, circumcised. So H-B-R-C-B-C. You've got to be circumcised. Why is that? Certain people here that were of this Jewish background could not let go of the law of Moses. They're going to struggle with this. Now, let me insert something in our timeline here. Some people believe, I, I think this is probably right, some people believe that Galatians chapter 2 
takes place right here in the timeline. Now, let me show you why I believe this. In this context of Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas have gone back to Antioch. They're there for a long time. They're talking about the work that they've done. And then we're going to learn that some men come from Jerusalem and they come to Antioch and they start talking about the circumcision and pushing this. So I want you to look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 1 because I believe this is in this time period. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, now where was Peter? Peter was in Jerusalem, so Peter's going to go to Antioch. It seems like he went before this other group of people did. When Peter was come to Antioch, Paul says, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, I think this is the men who are going to come from Jerusalem. Before certain men came from James, Peter would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, that's the people that came from Jerusalem, Peter withdrew himself and he separated, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas is carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, know even a man is not justified by the works of the law of Moses, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law of Moses, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. So, this is what I think we're being told. Galatians chapter 2, Paul is referencing something that happened a long time ago. At the end of the first missionary journey, Paul goes back to Antioch, and Peter comes up from Jerusalem, and he's visiting with them. Paul is, and Barnabas are telling about the success, about the churches that they established. There's Gentiles, mainly Gentiles, in the church in Antioch. And Peter is eating with them, he's mixing with them, he's fellowshipping with them. And then this group of people from Jerusalem come up, and they are strong in the belief you got to be circumcised. You've got to hold the law of Moses. And what happens? Peter stops sitting at the table with the Gentiles, and he goes and sits with the Jews. And he stops talking to the Gentiles, and he just kind of uh, pulls back. He kind of recoils from them. And then Barnabas sees what's happening. And Bar the Bible says even Barnabas got caught up in this. What's, that's interesting to me when the Bible says even Barnabas got caught up. What would that imply to you when it says even Barnabas? Yeah, I think he's saying Barnabas is a good guy. You remember Barnabas is the one who defended Paul when everyone else was rejecting him, and he was saying, no, no, he, he's good, he's good. The Bible's saying this got so out of hand, everybody's following this. Why are they following it, incidentally? Who started it? Peter. What's significant about Peter? Peter's an apostle. Peter's doing this. People look to Peter. He's an apostle. And, you know, you, have you ever had people in your life that you look to? I can remember when I was a younger preacher, and I can remember that um, being in a, 
a, um, an auditorium and I would hear somebody preach something that I thought was odd. And, you know, I might be in the school of preaching. There would be instructors there. And when someone would say something that was odd, I would look over at the instructors because I wanted to see the expression on their face because I thought, well, they're older, they're more mature, they're, they know. I, I was going to take my cue from them. And if they looked odd, then I would think to myself, now yeah, there's probably a problem there. Why? We've got people that we admire, maybe in the church sometimes, maybe you look to one of the elders to see how they react. Or you've got maybe the person that converted you. I'm just saying that people have influence. And this man's an, he's an apostle. So Peter does this, and other people start doing it. Next thing you know, the Bible says even Barnabas is pulling away. And Paul sees what's happening, and Paul said, this is wrong. This is wrong. It doesn't matter if Peter is an apostle. And, and uh, Paul says, I withstood him to the face in front of everybody. Why did he do it in front of everybody? Well, everybody was, had gotten caught up in this. And so he said, I withstood him to the face. The Bible says, because he was to be blamed. Now, this is just kind of an excursion here. And then he talks to Peter about this, and he says, look, you know this is not right. Why are you trying to go back and and hold to these Jewish traditions and, and bind these things on the Gentile. This is not right. All right, this is an excursion. We won't go on all this right now. I already said more than I intended to, but um, I think this takes place in this period of time. All right, go back to Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15, we are told that these men came down from uh, Jerusalem, from Judea, and they come... And they say, unless you're circumcised according to the law of Moses, you can't be saved. Again, I think this is the same group of men that showed up that made Peter start recoiling. These are men that have a strong, definite opinion about them. All right. Um, let's go to verse number... Uh, let's go to verse 2. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Okay, I want you to notice, Paul and Barnabas, they had no small dissension or dispute. What is the point of this? Paul and Barnabas took these guys on. I think what happened is Paul stands up to Peter and says, Peter, what are you doing? You know this is wrong. And then Paul and Barnabas, they get in a dispute with these guys about this, and they defend the fact that the law of Moses is not binding. Now, I want to take a, another little excursion here because you might think, why are we talking about this? Why is this significant? This issue becomes a big, big deal for the rest of the New Testament. A lot of the books of the New Testament are written about this because the Jews keep teaching that you got to be circumcised, they keep teaching that you've got to hold to the law of Moses. They are corrupting churches. Paul has to deal with this over and over and over again. I want to show you some passages here. Look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul writes to the brethren in Galatia. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. What's the different gospel he's talking about? And then he's going to go and say it's not another gospel. But there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. What's he talking about? They're turning away from the gospel to another gospel? 
There's those who are perverting the gospel of Christ. Look when you get to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, and you can see what he's talking about here. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to know from you. Did you receive the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit? Remember, the churches in the first century had the Holy Spirit. They could do miracles. Some people say, well, this is the indwelling of the Spirit. This is not a personal indwelling of the Spirit. This is miracles. He says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you get the Holy Spirit because of the law of Moses coming into you? Or was it by the hearing of faith? Did it come when we were teaching the new system, faith? Oh, foolish Galatians, having begun in the Spirit... What happened? They learned the gospel because it was being revealed by the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? That is, the law of Moses. He says, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? All the things that you've gone through and suffered and endured as a Christian, was it in vain? Look at verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you... What's he say then? And works miracles among you. Sometimes people have argued with me. Oh, he's not talking about the Spirit in the sense of working miracles. Yes, he is. Look at verse 5. He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What is Paul saying in all this? He's saying to the Galatians, some people have bewitched you. They fooled you. That is, have they cast a spell on you to make you believe this? You're trying to believe a different gospel. What was the different gospel? People in the first century were saying, you've got to keep the law of Moses. You've got to go back and be circumcised. You've got to do that. This is a constant thing. And Paul is writing to them, and he's saying, when you got the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you began to prophesy and teach and these things, was that with the law of Moses, or was that with the law of Christ? Which one was it? The miracles were for the purpose of confirming the New Testament law. Which one was it? You think about that. That's what he's saying to them here. And so, this was a big deal. Look at uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. He says, in him also you were circumcised. What does that mean, in him you were circumcised? In Christ you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. What's the point he's making? These people are saying you've got to be circumcised physically so you can be a Jew. He's saying the kind of circumcision that we have today as God's people is without hands. It's not a physical circumcision. What's he doing? He's trying to tell the people in Colossae. This idea that you've got to be circumcised is not right. If you look at verse, uh, where do you get this circumcision without hands? He says in verse 12, we get it when we're buried with him in baptism. That is, we become his people. Look at verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That is talking about the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law has been wiped out. It was contrary to us. Having taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers, What's the point? He says, we are not under the old law anymore. It has been nailed to the cross. Now listen to verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding the festivals or the new moons 
or the Sabbath? What's his point when he says the old law has been nailed to the cross, so don't let anybody judge you with food or drink? What's he talking about? What food or drink? Yeah, the kind of food they couldn't eat. So under the old law, could they eat bacon? What a bummer. I mean, you couldn't eat bacon, but they couldn't eat bacon. Well, now, if you start eating bacon, and somebody says, hey, you can't eat bacon because the law says that, he says, don't let them judge you on that. Why? Because the old law has been nailed to the cross. What about the drink? It relates to drink requirements required under the old law. And then he says, festivals. What festivals is he talking about? Feast days, Passover, those things are not bound upon you. So if somebody comes and says, you've got to keep the Passover, how about this next one? Or Sabbaths. What's that talking about? Once a week, they had to keep the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You don't work on the Sabbath day. What's he saying? That was part of the old law. It's been nailed to the cross. That is not bound upon you. Nailed to the cross. Don't let anybody judge you. Did you know there's a whole religion today that teaches that uh, you have to worship on the Sabbath and keep the Sabbath still today? Seventh-day Adventist. They're the seventh day. The Sabbath is the last day of the week. The Lord says, don't let anyone judge you with regard to the Sabbath. Why is he saying all of this? Because this is a constant problem throughout the rest of the New Testament. I think that's why we're told so much about it in the book of Acts. Because you've got to understand this. If you don't understand it, it's going to, you're, you're, you're really not going to understand the New Testament. If you don't get this. Okay. Acts 15.2, Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension or dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go to, to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. First, let me mention it says they had no small dispute with them. What does that mean? They had a big argument with them about this. Brethren, we learned some things there. There comes a time when a Christian has to take a stand. There comes a time when he might have to stand against his own brethren. There comes a time when he might have to stand even against an apostle. Isn't that what Paul did? He said, you are doing wrong. There are, we also learned that there are things that matter to God. And we've got to stand up when those things Come along. I also learn sometimes we need to preach sermons about the Old Testament. We need to preach what's in the Old Testament and what's in the New Testament. Notice this. Y'all know this passage. You probably have it memorized. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does rightly dividing the word of truth mean? Okay, you're going to interpret it the right way. Dividing, in what sense are you dividing it? Yeah, what's Old Testament? What's New Testament? What applies to us? What doesn't apply to us? Now notice this. So what if we were to do a sermon and say, this is Old Testament and this doesn't apply to us today? Would that be a good sermon to have? Yeah. He says, study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing. Now notice this, 
Study to show yourself approved unto God a workman. Wow. Who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Brethren, this is what I get out of this. If we don't study and teach and have sermons about what's Old Testament and what's New Testament, we ought to be ashamed before God. You see, this is basic fundamental stuff. We've got to study. We've got to preach about this. And if we don't, he says, you ought to be ashamed. All right? I learned that. Um, why doesn't Paul just stand up here and say, look, I'm an apostle, and I told you that this is the way it is, and this is the way it is. Instead, they said, let's go down to Jerusalem and talk to all of the apostles and get this thing settled. Could Paul have said, look, I'm an apostle. I'm speaking by the Holy Spirit. you got to listen to me. Why didn't he do that? It may not have. Um, I thought about this for a long time. Myself. The Bible doesn't say. I'm just speculating. Why didn't he say that? What had Peter just done? Peter's also an apostle, right? Peter just took the opposite position. And then Paul stands up and says, this is not right. And they said, well, let's go down to Jerusalem and talk to the apostles. Maybe that's the reason. Because Peter had just kind of shot his own credibility. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But you have one apostle who is just doing something, and another apostle rebuked him. And so when they said, well, let's go down to Jerusalem. We'll send Paul down there. Paul said, let's, let's do it. Now, it's interesting. We're not going to have time to get to Jerusalem tonight. But when they get to Jerusalem and they start talking, Peter is going to stand up and say, Paul was right. What Paul said, he's going to say, let's go back to the beginning. Remember, I was the first one who taught the Gentiles. And the Lord told me that there was no distinct. Peter is going to be singing a different tune. Basically, what we get is Peter was a humble man, and he admits that he's wrong, and he's going to say there is no distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. You don't have to keep the law of Moses. But this is very interesting here. Any comments or questions before we... I hate to waste a minute, so let's read verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. Okay, basically all this means is that they left Antioch, and they're going back down to Jerusalem, and as they're on their way, they're stopping in, in the different cities, and they're telling them about the conversions they've had. All right, keep going. Verse 4. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. Okay, first thing they did when they got there, the apostles greeted them, the brethren greeted them, they told about their missionary trip and all the things that happened, and everybody was happy. Now, verse 5. But some of the sect... Stop. All right. Notice that he says, but, I, I could have read that myself, I guess. But notice that he says, but, what's the point? It says, the brethren received him gladly. Verse 5 says, but, what does that mean? Not everybody received them happily. Verse 5, keep going. Some, 
Okay, but boy, you can keep going more than that. So. I deserve that. All right. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. All right. Most of the brethren and the apostles received them gladly, but some of the sect of the Pharisees stood who believed. What does that tell you? Some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed? When it says who believed, what does that mean? Yeah, these are Christians. Some of the sect of the Pharisees who were Christians? Could you be, Pharisee, be a Pharisee and be a Christian? They'd been baptized, they'd become Christians, but they used to be Pharisees. And what you're going to find out is they still have a lot of Pharisaical thinking. When you become a Christian, is all your previous thinking and knowledge and ways just wiped away? Sometimes it takes a while and it takes some growth. Sometimes it takes years. So some of these people who used to be Pharisees, they're still going to have a hard time here. And they're going to stand up, and I'll say this and we'll stop. They're going to say it's necessary to be circumcised and, I highlighted this in my Bible, and to keep the law of Moses. This is growing now, isn't it? Now, you not only have to be circumcised, but you also have to keep the law of Moses. This thing's getting out of hand. All right, we'll stop right there at verse uh, 5. 